Welcome to Sneaker Dads, I'm John Ratner. This is part two with Josh from Invintage We Trust. If you missed part one, go back and have a listen. Let's get into it. So what trends are you seeing now in terms of things you're looking to bring in and what people are coming and asking for? So over the last like two and a half years, three years, there's been a massive, massive pop cultural shift within vintage, but also outside vintage on graphics and graphic t-shirts. T-shirts have been king, right? I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast are tapped into what's happened on Instagram with Instagram lives and the whole crazy kind of this subsect of vintage clothing where people just sell vintage tees, right? And they've made a living off of it. Um, uh, Newsflash, it's not going to last forever. Believe me, I'm old. I've seen this stuff happen before where, you know, when you're inside of a pocket like this, you think it's going to last forever, right? You're like, how could, how could people not want this forever? Believe me, it happens. Um, so t-shirts have been very, very popular. Now there's definitely um, a shift towards more unbranded clothing. And what uh, people in like the vintage clothing world call true vintage. So that would be stuff like vintage militaria, um, vintage denim, um, more traditional vintage clothing items like um, bowling shirts, um, stuff from, I would say, like the, the 30s to like the early 70s. Um, there's been a huge upswing on the champion reverse weave recently. Um, uh, there's been two swings on it. So there was a swing in 17, but the swing that's happening now is less about the brand uh, opposed to now it's more about the cut of this particular champion sweatshirt called the reverse sweep and stuff from the eighties and nineties is actually out being out is out selling stuff. That's like 30, 40 and 50 years earlier from like the fifties and sixties. It's actually pretty crazy. So um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, like the Jordan one has obviously been obscenely popular and it's given a lot of, um, new life to other uh, Nike basketball models from kind of the same era. So stuff that was like collectible, but no one really cared, like the Nike convention, the Skylark, the Penetrator. Yep. Um, so all these kinds of shoes were 125, 150, maybe three years ago, all these shoes are 354, 455, and six now. And then obviously the Jordan one is whatever price you want to price it at. So um yeah there's all kinds of i mean stuff stuff's always shifting though people should remember that you know nothing lasts forever so just remember that when you're out there buying and if you're collecting you know i (laughs) i tell people this all the time you know people come inside the store with like people might not know the industry or like the market and they're like i really like a wrap t-shirt i said yeah, that would be nice. It's 2021, fam. Probably don't want to be buying one right now. Probably not. And I tell them, you know, and they're at, they're at, they ask. And I say, you really want to be spending $2,000 on a Tupac tee? Might want to wait a bit, right? Because yeah. that's the market right now. So. Yeah, I remember I sold a couple original Wu Wear shirts at round yep. two. And I have about six and I sold three. 
and I just had to let them go because they were going for two, three, four hundred dollars each. I kept I kept a couple because I couldn't let go. But, you know, it, it didn't hit me until um, they offered and I didn't have a price. And I said, OK, yeah, this is this is for real now and uh, collecting dust in in my closet. But but the popularity, you know, I have to ask because we're talking about these type of T-shirts and things like that. But there's a lot of reissues. They're popular. You talk about Instagram. People are doing them and they're not trying to pass them as something else, but it's it's the style. So how do you feel about that? People doing it in that style again, not 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 knocking things off, but. It's popular, right? So a fourteen-year-old yeah. kid's not going to spend the five hundred dollars T-shirt. Right, you can buy the forty-dollar one on Instagram. Right? Okay, so the big box stores that prost that pimp the market out, I don't have any time for. Me and Chantel hate that stuff. So, like you know, because what will happen is, is we'll get a T-shirt in an original, and then three months later, because if you guys think that like Urban Outfitters doesn't have trolls 19 year old trolls sitting on the internet scrolling 20 to 30 key instagram accounts to see what's popping every day you're lying to yourself it's exactly what they're doing right they're checking out to see what kids are gravitating towards graphic wise or um what licenses they can you know rebuy and pump out and you know and that's what they're doing so when i see kids coming in with like uh $40 Nas tees and Tupac whatever and this and that I know and you know it's so base level that they have nothing to do with the music and the culture and it's literally just it's just a graphic it's a face to them anything with a face yeah. has recognition with recognition is something they want to be a part of so I don't have any time for that kind of stuff but there's a lot of um, young kids that are reproducing and or taking the style of something and and flipping it they're making something new out of it um, not my personal cup of tea but they're indie that's cool I fuck with that that's heavy right no problem with that right like that's cool um, so uh, you have to also remember that like a lot of these t-shirts, lots of people that want them will never be able to own them because they're very a rare and very, very expensive. So that's happened in like the last year and a half, two years. There's been a huge upswing on comic book t-shirts, Marvel t-shirts in particular. Um, so some of those t-shirts, the ones with like the all over print, something that we call mega prints are so expensive now that I don't even like, I don't even know a human that's spending, you know, 21, $2,200 on anything that isn't a house, a house payment a month, like doesn't make any sense, but that's what, that's what the teas are going for. So what a lot of younger kids have done through Instagram and social media is they've reproduced the styles um, and made them accessible to people. But it's them doing it. They're doing unlicensed prints. No problem with that. As long as, you know, they have their own tags on them and they're not passing them off as bootlegs, as fakes. So, yeah, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. And along those same lines, what do you think about the trend of artificial distressing and aging of sneakers with pens and things like that? I don't have any time for that. <laughs> Wear your shit. 
you're a human. You got legs and you can put it in the dryer and wash it and wear it. Like, yeah, this whole thing about like TikTok and Instagram videos about like, all right, so this is what you do. You take coffee beans, ground them up in water and then dunk your Air Force One in there and then it yellows. Uh, yeah, no, that's not a thing. It's not cool, you know. And also, it's not new, okay, guys? It's not new. In 2008, Nike put out a, a collection of shoes called the Be True to Your School Collection, and it was the BNTG line, and they yellowed the soles. They did. It's been deaded. It's been done. It's just you guys weren't around for it originally. So you think it's like some new amazing thing, and you think it's done by a bunch of like, and it's not being done by a massive brand. So you think it's like indie and like unique and stuff. It's not. Wear your stuff. Yeah, speaking of wearing your stuff, when it comes to, you know, you looking for a pair that you're either someone brings in or you find somewhere else, you know, a lot of these shoes are quite old conditions of different shoes. You know, Jordan ones, you can wear longer, uh, you know, foam and different things. How do you do it? How, how do you know? If something's not in your size, you can't put it on. Are, are you just touching and feeling? Do you have to know the year? Are there rules you follow? If, I mean, sometimes if the shoes are wearable, if the shoes yeah, are wearable, how, how do you decide whether it's? Well, I mean, the general rule in terms of like Nike product um, is anything with the. Uh, I mean, I don't know the technical term. I call it the foam injected midsole. So anything with that foam in it, you don't want to touch, right? I mean, it's going to fall apart on you. So that's why the stuff from the mid 80s and earlier is so collectible, because not only is the style so iconic um, and obviously key players wore it. I mean, I'm, you know, Michael Jordan wore it, but um, it's also wearable. You can wear that stuff. So if you're going to spend, you know, so if you're spending like in the late 2000s, mid 2000s, late 2000s, people were spending like. $1,500, $2,000 on a pair of like Pata Air Max ones. Now you can't even wear the shoe. And then you got to spend $500 on getting uh, the sole swapped out and this and that. Whereas with a pair of uh, rubber and plastic, you know, like Jordan ones or, or Air Force ones or anything from, you know, that kind of era that's vintage, you don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's obviously going to be like, um, degradation you know the shoe's gonna like you know wear and there's gonna be problems with it but you're still gonna be able to put it on your foot you know so uh, i know lots of guys that were collecting tons of that stuff and spending big money on og one uh air max ones 90s all the air pocket stuff um you know solo flight 91s etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they they shifted they bought way earlier stuff a, there's less of it in the market. Um, and B, you can actually, if you wanted to wear it, you can you can still wear it. And also, like, for storing that stuff, it's a lot less, um, like, time-intensive, right? Like, you, you know, you got stuff behind you. Like, I see ones and, and some stuff like that. You don't have to worry about them as much as, like, you know, pressure-treated rooms for, yeah. oh, this Air Max burst. I don't know what's going to happen to it. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, yeah. What about other brands, though? Because you have New Balance on your shelf, vintage, you know, runner things like that. Is it just a matter of picking it up and holding it and squeezing it and bending yeah, it? Yeah, New like Balance is, um, yeah. So like the this whole kind of like upswing on like 
um, the 990 series. We've been selling New Balances from that uh, from those series for many many years. Um, obviously, this huge upswing in uh, popularity happened probably since about like I would say 19. Um, but yes, yeah, some of that stuff you got to watch out too, right? Because um, the backsides of uh, the 990s, 991s, and 992s for sure, maybe the 993s too, they have foam in them. They, and, you know, and even stuff that, that um, I've picked up within the last, like, shoes that are only 10 to 12 years old. Yeah, like, if you press on it and your finger goes into it, it's, all, it's not wearable. Also, they change color, that part of the shoe. It goes from, like, a gray or black to kind of, like, a mildewy color and then the white will actually turn green um which isn't an issue you just have to like press on it you know and check if it's okay but yeah that stuff you have to watch out too i mean um uh they're, they're great shoes and they're super comfortable but they're not comfortable if they're not wearable right so you have to watch out for that kind of stuff um the adidas product for the most part outside of like some of like the uh the zx stuff which we never see here, like OG ZX stuff, um, pretty much wearable. We don't carry a whole lot of Adidas inside the store right now. Um, not that I don't love it, but we don't carry it because it doesn't sell. So, <laughs> sure. You know, you talked a lot about the popularity of vintage, obviously, and a little bit about the community. I'm wondering what you've seen in terms of, you know, you talked about on IG, people are selling, you know, vintage snapbacks, vintage clothes, and, and the pandemic obviously shifted that people were doing things online. But in general, in terms of the community, either, you know, bigger perspective or in the city, I mean, you must be meeting young people and even older people coming in it, it's grown immensely right vintage clothing is probably more popular now than it's ever been in my life um yeah it's really crazy in vintage we trust um is a vintage clothing store but it's also a store where a lot of the customers that shop in our store aren't necessarily vintage clothing customers they're in vintage we uh, trust customers because we curate stuff a certain way, right? So it, it there's a very high level of like cleanliness inside the store and someone who isn't necessarily um, a vintage clothing head feels really at ease inside the store because um, you can pick up a garment and you don't have to worry about like stains and it's smelly. Like you don't get that like moth smell that you you might get like in a lot of like older vintage clothing stores um, or anything like that. But yeah, like the pandemic was really, really crazy. Not only like from obviously a business standpoint, but watching people um, ingest uh, the content and just go through uh, trends and really get deep on a lot of the vintage clothing, like stuff that, Prices of stuff that have happened in the last two years, I never thought were going to happen on anything that wasn't like a hundred years old. Because traditionally, a vintage garment, um, the older it is, the more expensive it is, right? So, uh, like, I remember when I started getting into sneakers, the most expensive vintage sneakers on earth were like, 20s 30s and 40s converse all-stars um 
Peter Max, who's a pop artist, he did a shoe in the early 70s that was really sought after. Um, like really old stuff. Whereas now it's because the buying market has like people that were buying stuff in the 40s, 50s and 60s are now like people's parents and grandparents. Um, so the vintage clothing market is always young people. So someone that is in their late 20s, early 30s now wants something obviously from like mostly the 90s, right? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the flip-flop because something that's 25 and 30 years old now is more sought after and, and more expensive because the demand is so much higher for it. And it's funny because I've been in the game so long, like when we opened up the shop and we shifted from being an online retailer to a physical retailer, I remember having like four Nirvana Nevermind tees when we opened up the shop and I couldn't sell them. No one wanted them. Like it wasn't a thing. I mean, now obviously we all know, you know, um, the burgeoning market for alternative rock and also for Nirvana tees. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Right. But it's, it's all about timing and, and you know, and trends, but um, yeah, it's uh it really has to, has to do with like who's looking at it and the pandemic has played such a massive role. I mean, a lot of your listeners know, you know, about uh, Jordan memorabilia, um, you know, specifically the Jordan one in this kind of crazy surge that particular shoe has had, not only on the vintage stuff, but even like the, the Chicago's from 13, like what's a dead stock pair, like 12, $1,300 now. It's insane. For me, it's crazy. That's that's really crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I have to ask about Instagram and social media. You obviously spend a fair bit of time not only trying to attract eyes, but entertain them, have some fun. Sure. When did that become sort of part of was um, that there from the beginning or is that more recent? Because I know you do a lot of it now. In any business, you have to play to your strengths. So our strengths uh, as a vintage clothing store are Chantel's amazing, uh, her amazing ability to tell stories through um, merchandising. And she runs the entire back end of the business and our customer service and all the in-store stuff. And my ability, um, my eye to obviously pick clothing. And also I'm pretty comfortable on camera and I'm good with my mouth and I can talk a lot and I have a lot of I know a lot about clothing a lot so um we weren't we you know and the other thing is is like you know there's a comfortability level like you have to kind of get into like a flow with social media because it's really weird. Like you're talking with screen and like you're putting yourself out there like every day, right? Like you'll see a lot of vintage clothing stores. There's no face to a lot of the businesses and that's not a knock on them. But we saw from a very early um, uh, uh, stage in social media, like the stuff we were putting out, I'm like, why didn't anyone like this amazing photo that I spent six hours putting together and blah, blah, blah. And then I take a stupid photo of me inside the store and we get like five times the likes and, and interactions and all that stuff. 
because people want to interact with other people through social media. Um, so as the apps kind of um, matured, you know, the Instagram story, for instance, was like a big turning point for us. And uh, for about two, two and a half years, we used it when the, when the viewership was really high as a way to tell people about the stuff that was coming out in the store uh, three to four times a week, right? Because we do weekly drops of the store. Um, so uh, we would do like these things called story time. Every day I yell on the internet about new clothing coming out. And then that just happened over time. Like I didn't wake up one day and started yelling on the, on the internet. It happened, right? Over time. Yeah, definitely great. And uh, I know a lot of people enjoy it. And it's an opportunity to engage, like you said, and yes. um, and uh, share what's in the shop and let people know what you guys are all about. The other thing I have to ask about is the Raptors. And I, I want you to share with listeners who don't know your campaign about the name. But before that, I want to know a little bit about your perspective on the popularity of Raptors, especially in terms of vintage, not just in Toronto. I, I think the Raptors jersey logo is uh, is one of the the hot top sellers every year but when you talk about vintage I know for firsthand old Raptors jerseys are just wildly popular everywhere right yeah so you so the Raptors um franchise obviously won a chip in 19 and you had about a seven-year span there where the Raptors kind of were getting to that mountain and they were becoming a very, very competitive and good team. So anyone who wanted to show their allegiance to being a part of that rise, that meteoric rise to that 19 championship, they wanted to show that they were there early. And the way to show that you're there early in any, in any sports team is wearing something older. And the fact that the, so there's a few factors here. One, the dinos only produced until 1999, 2000. I think 98, 99 is the last year the dinos made. Distribution of Raptors clothing in the first five years is very, very small. Most of it's actually produced um, for the local Canadian market. So when it became popular, um, the world stock of Raptors dino merchandise from any level, from a, a snapback all the way up to game war memorabilia, um, uh, got low pretty quick, right? Because, you know, and, and then on top of that, there's a lot of guys collecting it, right? A lot of guys are like collecting the dino hats or the puffer jackets or, you know, the champion jerseys or whatever. So, you got a few factors going in there. And also um, a lot of it had already been sold, right? Like I've been selling dino, high-end dino um, jerseys for many, many, many years, right? Not at the prices they currently go for, but they've been already sold. Like there's a lot of guys out there that were collecting it pretty early with less competition. So people should, you know, uh, realize that kind of stuff. But um, the the Dino, I think, recently was named the greatest NBA logo of all time. I mean, I'm almost barfing in my mouth right now. But I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of people also really, really love that logo because it um, 
uh, it harkens really back to this really free and energetic time in the mid nineties um, when uniform logos looked a lot different than they do today. They're so much more streamlined and the NBA is so much more corporate now. And back then it wasn't, it was much looser, (laughs) very loose. So people love that. Right. And it's really fun and it's pretty exciting. And still, if you were a vintage dino item to a game or to a bar or out with your friends, or you're around anyone that knows anything about basketball, they're going to turn their head and say something to you because it's special, right? You're, you're wearing something that, um, and then also uh, you're wearing something that um, uh, is, there isn't a lot of it in the market and it's a status symbol. People now know it's expensive, right? If you're wearing a specific kind of dino item, um, people know, you know, people know you got something, you got something going on. So. Yeah. yeah. And before we talk more about the Raptors, you mentioned something about, you know, wanting something from when you were there or people to know you were there. And unfortunately what happens is someone is there and, but they never got that item or they got rid of their item, their mom threw it away or whatever. So it's not just necessarily the new school cats coming in and gra- grabbing that original dino sweat sweatshirt it's someone who was there who didn't get it and that applies to all vintage right it's like you know yeah the the nostalgia factor is definitely major people want a band t-shirt of a band um that they saw but they never got the they never got the t-shirt back in the day and now they have money and now they want it or um a specific polo garment that they saw in a rap video back in the day and then, you know, they didn't have the access to it or a Raptors Jersey and their mom would never buy them one um, probably because it's ugly, but they never bought them one Um, or yeah. Any of that stuff. That's like really the, um, the allure of vintage clothing, right? The, The allure is something that no longer exists and something that you had seen earlier in your life that you want to um it's almost like cosplay right like you're you're living a portion of your life through a garment um so um and i do that too with with garments right i mean you have to also remember clothing is only clothing without the people that can tell the stories through it right like like a jordan one is just a shoe unless there's a culture around it that's telling the story of what that shoe did and what it does now and all the people that wore it and all the things in between the music that's associated with it, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, what's really special about vintage clothing because everyone has, or a lot of people have connections to it. Right. And that's what has caused the spike in popularity, but also the surge in prices because you have that sort of generation like us who wants to relive or remembers that concert. And then you have the next generation who wasn't there, but knows about it or sees it competing, right? You have to remember that sometimes the reference to a, to a younger customer isn't from the, isn't from the original reference. It's a reference of a reference. So for instance, um, the, the Mac attack has obviously been popping over the last, we know, year. Because a pair was on LeBron's feet 
And um, all the OGs are like, oh, damn, now it's a thing. And now I can never get a pair. And uh, now it's been now it's rating and stuff. But a lot of people never even saw LeBron wear it because it was a PE and it was white and it had the nipples uh, like the turf nipples on on the, the sole. And it wasn't the retail version. They only know the Mac attack because Travis Skull wore it. And I ain't checking Travis. You're not checking Travis. You know, because mm. LeBron wore it. Or a lot of the listeners, the sneaker dads are going to know it because LeBron wore it. But a lot of the younger kids, they know it because Travis wore it. It's a reference of a reference. And the same thing with rap t-shirts. Or uh, another example is um, the Snow Beach jacket. Me and you know the Snow Beach jacket because Raekwon wore it. Yeah. But ten or uh, nine or ten years ago, Chris Brown wore it. They know it because he wore it. So that's kind of that's kind of the difference. Got to remember, there's different generations that are pulling references from from people that are important to them. It's not just one reference that they're pulling. Yeah. Back to the Raptors quickly. You talked about. I, I think people who follow you know, but um, you, you kind of hinted at it. Not the biggest fan of the name or the logo, despite how lucrative it's probably been. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a lot of Dino stuff. I mean, I'm not the largest Raptors fan. Good. Not because I don't love the city. I bleed Toronto. And I don't not love basketball. I'm a huge basketball fan. But I'm not a fan of the team name. And I'm definitely not a fan of the team picking purple and red over blue and white like every other team in the city. And yeah, recently I did a, a video that kind of went viral about renaming the Raptors. And I opened up a petition and stuff for people to, uh, to, to help me change the Raptors name back to what it should be called, the Huskies, which was the name of the original Toronto basketball franchise in 46-47. They wore blue and white. And there's, that's the history. That's all you need to know right there. So... Yeah, and I've heard, I'm sure you've heard this argument or you know it by, by yourself, but the whole idea, you talked about the purple, the red, the funky, the funkiness of the 90s, right? If it was the Huskies logo, it looked like UConn, it would be boring, right? It wouldn't have had any of that. We wouldn't have had. Well, the... I'm sure they would have 90s it up. <laughs> I guess so, I'm yeah. sure they would have found a way to make it ugly, like everything else in the mid 90s. Right. But yeah, you're up. right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I know there's a certain nostalgia Um aspect and i mean you know i'm poking fun at you know i'm poking fun at I the know. culture a bit here <laughs> sure. right like i'm not like you know people think like when i say something on the internet it's like doctrine and stuff you know i'm no. i'm here being a personality right so i get it i get it before i let you go i have to ask we didn't talk too much about your sort of personal stash i get the impression that um you do have a few things stashed away can you share some maybe of your favorites not necessarily in terms of value maybe there's a story behind it or maybe there's rarity or maybe just something you love because of what it is yeah so i collect like a lot of older supreme um so i have several of like the early 2000s um supreme uh sneakers um a lot of like the more recent stuff um i like like mostly like off like if something isn't rated i'm into it because there's less people in my lane i don't have to worry about anyone like wearing the same stuff as me and like all that you know like all that kind of stuff so over the last 
I would say like five, seven years. It's been mostly like early to mid nineties, kind of like or early, sorry, early to mid two thousands, like retros because they weren't really popping and I could buy them for a steal and they were super fun and stuff like Air Force, Air Force twos, Delta forces, like all that kind of chunky stuff that was happening, like the early to mid two thousands, horrible colorways. Um, I have like a stash of like Air Force Ones, mostly like early 2000s um, women's colorways um, that are like were really hard for me to find that I was able to kind of buy for next to nothing like over the last eight to nine years. I wore so, a lot of dunks. So um, and I've sold I sold my dunk collection twice. So I'm always out there trying to find like earlier SBs. Um, uh kogp 99s uh my favorite dunk collection ever are the foot actions from 2000 so the cool grays um the unmolder high which is the patent white with the baby blue clear sole um the triple black foot action and i believe there's like one other one i'm probably forgetting it the pro b's the pre-sb's i really messed with like all those um and like mid eighties Adidas, like the Ewing line is like really special to me. Not the Ewing next sport stuff, but like the, you know, the, the Adidas rivalry and like all that kind of stuff. I had a pair for years, but I sold a pair. I, I sold them. They were boxed. They were beautiful. Yeah. I love that shoe. And as far as clothes, do you have the same sort of stash or list of favorites? Or is it I got a lot of clothing. Uh, I don't really like, if I buy something, even though if it doesn't fit me, cause I'm not the same size that I was like 10 years ago, I don't, cause I have such a connection to it and I wore it in fits. So I don't really want to like get rid of it. Um, for clothing that I collect again, like I collect like a lot of, I've collected like a lot of older, like game worn memorabilia right now. I'm on a huge kick um, for like, just just early weird design basketball warm-ups jackets i'm really into jackets not so much the jerseys because a jersey only you can do so much with it but like a, an overpiece a jacket i mean there's so much design that went into a lot of those earlier pieces and they're so interesting um so that's always been like a soft spot for me um so i collect like a lot of that stuff and, and it's not like something that's like overly popular so i don't feel like really bad about porting it because no one really cares outside of like me and the six people on the internet that i talk to um you know no one's coming in and being like uh josh do you have um a shank and tittle uh wool pullover football jacket from 1928 <laughs> i really need one of those yeah no so, so way beyond you know, uh, uh, Bulls warm up from from 2000. We're talking obscure. No, no, uh, yeah. Honestly, teams. like I'm not even that interested in pro basketball. Yeah. I want like, I want like star player college stuff. Yeah, old or or even better, high school. Like I remember Larry Bird's high uh, high school warm up jacket was on eBay about a year ago. I was trying to fund it. Like I was trying to figure out the movement I needed to do to try to like, how am I going to like, you know, so it was too expensive, but that's the kind of stuff. 
like that next, next, next level. How deep can you really dive into it? That's the kind of stuff like I really get high on. Not like a, you know, not like a champion bulls warm up from the mid nineties. Like I don't really care about that stuff. Yeah. Personally, I love selling it inside the store. Personally, I'm cool with it. I don't need to own it. So I have to ask about hunting for sneakers specifically. Do you have any stories, fond memories of finding, you know, rare things or, or just big come ups? Sure. I'm going to give you the number one. 2011, and I'm only telling this story because the sneaker spot no longer exists and there's no way anyone can get to it because it's, it's gutted. It's done. The stores went under. It's the only reason you guys are getting it. So 2011, Chantel and I take a trip to Boston, Massachusetts for like a vacation slash like cop trip. Like I'm buying stuff, whatever. Um, so in Massachusetts, the Hall of Fame um, is in Springfield. So it's about an hour and a half outside of out of Boston. And my my move back in the day was I go on Google image searches and I try to find old sporting goods stores in areas. And there's lots of different ways I do that through searches. So I find a spot. So we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to the, we're going to the, the basketball hall of fame for the day, but I'm trying to pair it with doing some buying. I'm always, you know, I'm always trying to see if, you know, cause I'm, we're in rural, basically the rural United States. Maybe there's some stuff. And I find this spot and I'm like, old sporting goods store. It's called like Mary's sporting goods. Like, I'm like, this is it. They're going to have shit. <laughs> so we pull up at the spot, you know, after I go, after we go to the, the hall and I'm wearing a crazy fit, I probably had to change out of it right after. Cause I didn't want to like get dirty and stuff. We pull up at the spot. It's a nice part of town, really cool, calm, whatever. Um, and there's this nice old lady there. And I ask her a few questions and the store is really clean. There's like nothing old in there, but the store sign outside looks really old. So I go, uh, you know, I'm here like looking for like older stuff. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, we don't really carry any of that stuff. We get rid of everything every two years. We give it to the church and, uh, you know, and they get rid of everything. And that's the last thing someone wa- like me wants to hear. I don't want to hear any of that shit. So she, before, and I go, oh, that sucks. And she's like, well, you know, there's this other store down the road you might want to check out. It's called Fenton's. They're a high school sporting goods uh, supplier. Like they do like running jerseys and stuff for high schools. So I'm already pretty bummed out. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll check it out. So we're in a really nice part of town. And we drive down this one street. And as we keep going down the street, it gets progressively more rundown. If anyone digs, they know that the more rundown the part of the city they're in, the better chance they're going to come up on a store that has not turned over product. So we pull up at this spot. It's literally a brick bunker on the side of the road. And like, you're hearing sirens in the background. Like it's not a good part of town. And it's just this like bungalow brick bunker. I walk into the store and it's, it's rundown. 
As soon as I walk inside the store, there's a table literally right in, in front of me. It's got a bunch of early 90s Asics runners on it, $15 each. And to my right, there's a slat wall of old Nike plastic, uh, uh, like the fold out, you know, sneaker uh, display, whatever. And they have a few older models on there. Nothing crazy, but they got some stuff. So there's this really nice lady working there. And she asks me what I'm looking for. I'm like, oh, I buy like old sporting goods. If you guys have anything older, I'd be really interested in that. Anyone knows that the grail scenario, walk into a store, and most times this takes years to do, is someone says something to the nature of this. Well, we have it downstairs. Why don't you come downstairs and check it out? That's what happened. She was downstairs and she calls up to me. She says, Josh, why don't you just like come downstairs and, and see if there's anything you like? So I walk downstairs and I'm not lying. There's a 50 foot long wall of orange Nike boxes, all late eighties, early nineties, all dead, obviously new old stock. So I take a deep breath and this is 2011. Okay. Like, I, you know, when you're out digging every day, this is all you do. You always think it's already gutted and done because you hear about these stories that happened in like the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s. And you're like, you'll never find it. So I'm in Massachusetts. So this is like running country. Okay. So I start pulling out shoes, Air Max OG ones, 87s, 89 Pegasus stabs um uh 91 air maxes size runs it's all there all of it pristine like like crazy amounts so we probably spent two and a half three hours and i took my time i you know like i was leaving like size sevens and eights i'm like only key sizes nine to 11, nine to 11 and a half. I was getting all the key sizes. When you see people come up now, you'll see like an Instagram post like, yo, I really came up. Uh, I got a bunch of kids shoes. That's not a come up. That's my leftovers. I left it there for you because I already took or someone else took all the good stuff, right? So we probably pulled at least 80 dead pairs, all size nine to 11, all key Nike models, 87 to about 92, 93. There was stuff I wasn't even taking. Like uh, there were like early 90s Nike low-end models. This is 2011, right? You got to remember like a lot of that stuff was sitting on eBay. Like people couldn't even get rid of dead stock in early 90s running. So we were buying like all the air pocket shoes. We had size runs of everything. So we come upstairs with like 80 shoes and this is the hardest part, right? You got to talk to the boss and he, now he, now they know you're doing something because you're not buying one or two pairs. I got a lot of shoes. I got duffel bags of shoes. So he goes, um, he goes, well, how much do you want to pay? And, uh, I go, um, well, you have these shoes up here for $15. So I'll just do 15 for all of them. 
he thinks for a second and he goes, sounds fair to me. (laughs) So we pull pull out with like 80 (laughs) pairs and we were on fire on eBay for like a month. Well, speaking of deep diving, you definitely dove deep, but I feel like we could dive even deeper and perhaps I'll get you back on soon because I know we could do this for another hour and a half or two hours or three hours, but I'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time. It was a lot of fun. Your knowledge is amazing. Your your passion is even more amazing. And um, I really, really uh, had a lot of fun talking to you and I learned a lot and I, I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. I'd love to come back on. I want to send a big thanks to Josh for coming on the podcast. His passion and knowledge is something I truly appreciate, and I know many people feel the same way. You can find him at Invintage We Trust on Instagram. That's I N V T G We Trust, and at the store he runs with his partner Chantal at. 1580 Queen Street West in Toronto. You can find me at Heads8Ready on Instagram. You can find Sneaker Dads on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as at sneakerdads.com. That's where we'll be releasing some new new era fitted hats coming up in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Later.